Welcome to Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's, a patient-centered nonprofit organization. Your host, Meryl Comer, is a co-founder, 24-year caregiver, an Emmy Award-winning journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Slow Dancing with a Stranger. This is Brainstorm, and I'm Meryl Comer. Looking back over this past year, we thought it would be fascinating to share insightful excerpts from a keynote delivered at this year's Us Against Alzheimer's Summit by Dr. Ken Dykwald, the founder and CEO of AgeWave. A psychologist, gerontologist, documentary filmmaker, and best-selling author of 19 books, including Age Power, How the 21st Century Will Be Ruled by the New Old, Dykwald is counted among the foremost visionaries and original thinkers regarding lifestyle, healthcare, economic, and the workforce implications of the age wave, a term he coined in the 1980s. Now, let's listen in. I'm going to ask you to take all the things you currently think about this disease and don't think for a minute about all the spectacular bioscientists and physicians and experts you're going to be hearing about, but allow me to tell you a slightly different story about what's happening relative to this disease at this moment in history. We've been searching for the fountain of health as long as humans have been getting older. And what I'm struck by is the fact that folks think this is sort of a new adventure, but it was the beginning of the 20th century with the arrival of public health departments, where for the first time we began to make a dent in the diseases that used to take people's lives and cause us to not live very long. And then, a few decades later, the extraordinary arrival of antibiotics and the availability of penicillin began to save lives and extend longevity. Breakthroughs in science didn't always go in a straight line, so we have to be careful. Not every bit of progress in medicine or bioscience is good. Some of it is kind of nutty, and some of it we only learn years later was a mistake. But the progress continued with regard to healthy aging and healthy longevity. Before you knew it, in the 1980s and 90s, we began to introduce the idea of self-care in a serious way. We began to study the effects of exercise and sleep and proper nutrition. And then, of course, we had the breakthroughs that led to our ability to crack the genetic code. And an extraordinary pharmacopoeia simultaneously was emerging. So this searching for the fountain of health has really been gaining steam in the last few decades. I would say that one of the effects of this horrible pandemic we've lived through is that it accelerated our thinking about acceleration itself. How fast can we get breakthroughs? How fast can science be pushed? How fast can scientists work to get their progress not incremental, but possibly exponential? This is a chart of the average life expectancy at birth over the past 1,000 years to the year 2020, right before the pandemic actually began shortening lives by a couple of years. But it was moved up to about 78 and a half. And what I'm continually struck by, having been studying these issues now for 48 years, is that throughout most of history, people didn't age, they died. So back in the 18th century, we weren't worried about age-related diseases because there were so few older people. Couples didn't say, gee, honey, what would you like to do in retirement? Because you weren't going to live that long. But because of the breakthroughs that I just dashed through, one of the effects of that is that more and more and more people are going to live longer and longer and longer. Life expectancy over the past 100,000 years. And medical anthropologists now tell us something quite extraordinary. 
which is that throughout 99% of human history, the average life expectancy at birth was under 18. Now, there have always been some 60 and 80 and 90-year-olds, but very few. So we really didn't need to concern ourselves with the hopes, the desires, the attitudes of older people. And we also really didn't concern ourselves with the diseases that prey on the old. Keep that in mind. Right now, two-thirds of all the people who have ever lived past 65 in the entire history of the world are alive today. And this longevity revolution is not over. It's just beginning. And occasionally people say to me, oh, I think I've seen something about the future of aging. You know, maybe it's new tech. Maybe it's all sorts of wild things that guys like Elon Musk are dreaming up or Jeff Bezos. But let me tell you that I think one of the mistakes we make is that when we envision the future, we envision kind of a Jetsons future. Young, cool, attractive people in tech, advancing tech. This may or may not be a picture of the future, we have to begin thinking of six generations alive at once, each wanting their piece of the pie, each wanting their share of health resources, medical science, education, public good, and each playing a role in the modern society. Let me add another piece to this puzzle. The kind of wild and crazy baby boom that appeared after World War II is now becoming an age wave. But look at what's coming between 2020 and 2040. The massive growth in the United States and pretty well all the developed countries of the world is not going to come from there being more children decade over decade, but more older people. And so everything pertaining to older people, what they want to eat, where they live, what their problems are with isolation, what happens to their bodies are going to become the focus of our lives, whether you like it or not. And I'm always intrigued. People say, what are we going to do with all those old people in the future? You're going to be one of the old people in the future. So what are we going to do with us in the years to come? One of the biggest challenges has to do with the fact that while we've been attempting to increase lifespan to improve longevity, we've done a pretty miserable job of matching our health span to our lifespan. And so as we grow older, there are all sorts of problems that occur, arthritis, varicosity of the veins, aches and pains in the joints, orthopedic problems, and I could just really ruin the whole day for everyone here. As we grow older, it seems that our bodies increasingly struggle. Now, is that necessary? Is that just the way of life? More and more of us now in the field of geroscience are thinking about this. And what we're learning is that there's lifespan. There are 33 countries in the world that live longer than we do. Many live half a decade longer than we do. So we shouldn't be so proud of our longevity here in the United States. But even more troublesome is the fact that our health spans, the number of years that we will live with vitality and well-being, are only a percentage of that lifespan. If you look at the global life expectancy at birth, we are way at the low end of success on this. But even worse, if you look at health span, country by country, United States does miserably. So just a few months ago, I had the good fortune of speaking at a conference with pension fund managers from all over the Americas. And I asked them kind of a live poll. So these were people in their 30s and 40s and 50s, highly educated, access to information, probably had access to good health care, or so they thought. But I asked them in a live poll, which later life disabling condition scares you the most? Boom. What do they say? Alzheimer's. I understand that we live in a world in which things like cancer and heart disease and stroke and diabetes and arthritis are terrifying and problematic. But as we age as a nation, 
Alzheimer's, which takes down one in three people over the age of 85. It may actually turn out to be one in two when you add in some of the other dementias like vascular, Lewy body, and percussive dementias. Alzheimer's could very well turn out to be the biggest challenge in the decades in front of us as a result of our ineffective healthcare system combined with our greater longevity. I also want to point out that although there's been a little bit of progress with regard to treatment, right now the disease is 100% incurable and 100% fatal. And I want to point out that it's not just some of those other people who catch the disease. It was Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. It's Jimmy Stewart. It was Rosa Parks, Mort Zuckerman, my mom. There was a film that came out about a year or so ago about Bill Gates' brain. So why is Gates so concerned about Alzheimer's? Because he's getting older and his father died with Alzheimer's. Hey, Trump's father died with Alzheimer's. He never mentions that, but it's true. My mom died with Alzheimer's. My wife's mom died with Alzheimer's. More and more as our parents or as we are growing older, we're beginning to realize that this disease of the aging brain, yes, some people who are younger are affected, but primarily it's older people. It's a disease that preys on the aging brain. If we don't wipe it out, it's going to wipe us out. The economic impact could be complete devastation to national economies. It could be complete devastation to families and individuals. Gates people figured out that folks with Alzheimer's spend five times more on health care than those without. In fact, Alzheimer's could become the sinkhole of the 21st century. So what do we need to do? We need to create a path to healthy longevity. We need to have doctors who are trained and skilled in dealing with older adults for all the conditions they might have, but particularly brain health. How are we doing? Badly. We've got 126 medical schools. There's only 16 departments of geriatrics. Most doctors and nurses are coming out of their programs without learning the basics about how to care for older adults or the basics of how to deal with aging brains. The numbers are crazy because we've got more than 55,000 pediatricians in America and less than 5,000 geriatricians. Maybe it's because of the way we've constructed our economics, which is foolhardy. We pay geriatricians far less than we pay plastic surgeons. Excuse me, but like, what's wrong with us? Next, we need precision wellness and self-care. To tell people to go out and exercise or eat a healthy diet is far too confusing. You go to the average drugstore and all the vitamins are organized alphabetically, which is completely dysfunctional and not helpful. How about in Japan, though? They've made some progress. This is Toto. It's a biolab in your home toilet. So it can indicate to you on a daily basis what vitamins and supplements and foods and exercise regime might be better for your biometrics. I personally am taken by Waze, the idea that you can, in real time using AI, derive a path that's efficient, cost-efficient, and will get you where you want to go. Maybe we need a health Waze so that each of us can be guided to the best 100 or 110-year-old version of each of us with guidance about food, supplements, exercise, and medical care. We need scientific breakthroughs. What is wrong with us? If you look at how we spend money, what are our priorities as a country? Yikes! What is wrong with us? That we don't invest in the medical research that could wipe out the diseases so that we can live long, healthy, productive, contributing lives. I'm taken by the recent announcement of the creation of ARPA-H, like DARPA, Advanced Research Projects Agency, to try to come to leapfrogging breakthroughs in health. And from what I understand, Alzheimer's will be a key focus, which would be terrific. What's the punchline? 
The punchline is we must match health span to lifespan so that your loved ones don't find themselves like my mom living their final years in a crib wearing a diaper. We must match health span to lifespan so that we don't drain our economy. We must match our health span to lifespan so that a hundred thousand years of human growth and evolution doesn't wind up in a dark story of millions and tens of millions of people losing their way, losing their minds. We must match brain span to lifespan. Some people say, oh, that's so hard. That's too hard. Let's create a new game app so we can bemuse ourselves. Well, let me remind you that Abraham Lincoln called for a transcontinental railroad, got it done in seven years. The Panama Canal was championed by Theodore Roosevelt, got it done in 10 years. The Manhattan Project, wow, that's a fairly sophisticated exercise, got it done in six years. The Apollo program, championed by John F. Kennedy, in these few seconds, got it done in eight years. Now it is time to take longer strides. Time for a great new American enterprise. What do we need? We need a scientific grand concerto. Not just one bioscientist, not just one pharmaceutical company, not just one nutraceutical company, but we need a grand concerto that's orchestrated to create healthy longevity, not just for the billionaires, but for everyone. But I would say we've got to beat this disease before it beats us. Thank you. And now you know why Dr. Ken Dykewald was honored this year by World Leaders magazine as one of the world's visionary leaders making an impact in 2022 with his focus on social effects of global aging and rising longevity. Our team is on a mission to help you stay up with the latest scientific breakthroughs, from new therapies to technologies on early diagnosis and personal brain health advice from well-known experts using an equity lens that promotes brain health for all. Now, we'd like to hear what's on your mind. What are the topics and guests you'd like to hear featured on Brainstorm? Send your comments to brainstorm at usagainstalzheimers.org. That's it for this edition. I'm Errol Comer. Thank you for brainstorming with us. Support for Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's comes from Karen and Chris Siegel and from our corporate sponsors, Biogen, Esai, and Eli Lilly. Subscribe to Brainstorm on your favorite podcast platform and join us for new episodes on the first and third Tuesday of every month.